Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk Nation Radio, nuclear weapons, the Space Force, and war pigs in space. It is my great privilege to welcome back to the program Alice Slater. Alice serves on the board of directors of World Beyond War and is the UN NGO representative of the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation. She is on the board of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space, the Global Council of Abolition 2000, and the advisory board of Nuclear Ban US, supporting the mission of the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons. Alice Slater, welcome back to Talk Nation Radio. Delighted to be here. Glad you're back. Glad you're doing everything you're doing. Don't know how anyone has time to be on that many boards. Uh, (laughs) People are, you know, people are going to the movie theaters and watching Star Wars Insanity yet again, uh, where humanity is behaving as barbarians and yet has survived for millennia. uh, And yet there's this space war nonsense coming out of Washington, D.C. In reality, there is a, a space force that has been created. What, What is it? This is like totally unreal, but Trump actually, our biggest uh, bombastic joker, in a sense, has taken this idea that has been around since Reagan and has actually literally is going to turn it into a U.S. Space Force. It's the it's the first new department of war since we did the Department of the Air Force in the forties, and now there's a Department of Space Force thanks to Donald Trump. And this is such an insane thing to do because it will totally disrupt any chance of peace on Earth because we are now in a space race with Russia and China. And some of what we, as we were warned when Reagan was promoting his Star Wars dream, that if there was one war in space, it, it would it would destroy all our communications, all our satellites, all our television, everything, our, our telephone, everything we're relying on. That would be the, the last. If any, there was any debris in space that got into orbit, it would ruin all our. Earth communications that we're relying on now. It's lunacy, and it's totally unnecessary because Russia has been begging us forever. Uh, Gorbachev, when he and Reagan made the, uh, the, they had their Reykjavik conference, and Gorbachev let go of all of Eastern Europe without a shot. It was like a miracle. He ended the Soviet occupation. And he said to, and he and Reagan met in Reykjavik, and he said, let's get rid of our nuclear weapons. Right now, there are like 16,000 nuclear weapons on the planet, and 15,000 are in the U.S. and Russia. We are definitely the big gorillas on the block. And Reagan said, yeah, that's a good idea. And Gorbachev said, well, don't do Star Wars, you know, and then we can make this agreement. And Reagan said, I'm not going to give it Star Wars. And at that time, there was a U.S. Air Force document, U.S. Space Command, which was a division of the Air Force, Vision 2020, that talked about U.S. Space Command dominating and controlling the military use of space 
to protect U.S. interests and investments. That was their mission statement. They weren't even ashamed to say to protect U.S. interests and investments. And Gorbachev pulled his offer off the table. Then Russia and China were tabling a model treaty to keep weapons out of space. We had a treaty from 1967 to keep weapons of mass destruction out of space, but we never banned all weapons. So they were proposing that we ban all weapons. In 2008, they put it on the table in Geneva. There's a a UN conference, a committee on disarmament that has negotiating power, but you have to have consensus. The U.S. blocked it. We were the only country to vote against it. Then in 2014, they put the treaty back on the table with amendments because it had been criticized, so they amended it a bit, and we blocked it again. We didn't allow any discussion of the treaty. And every year, even this last fall, in the U.N. Committee on Disarmament, there are motions are put in to, to negotiate for a treaty, you know, to prevent weapons in outer space, and the U.S. votes against it year after year, and most countries except our NATO allies vote for it. I just saw since he made his awful announcement, Trump, NATO is now declaring space an operational domain. I mean, and NATO is another horror story because when Gorbachev did that and let go of Eastern Europe, he was very concerned about... um, a unified Germany going into NATO because Russia lost 27 million people to the Nazi onslaught. I mean, we don't acknowledge this. I mean, look at in America, we went nuts when 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center. We started the whole world war on terror and turned the world upside down and gave up all our civil liberties. And here's Russia sitting with a memory of 27 million dead Russians. And uh, he said, Gorbachev said to Reagan, look, don't let a unified Germany, because East and West Germany were going to unite at that point when the war came down, be a NATO member. And Reagan said, let them join and be part of NATO, and we give you our word. We will not expand NATO one inch to the east. And his uh, ambassador, Russia, Jack Matlock, wrote an op-ed piece in the Times saying that's what was promised. And now we have expanded NATO right up to Russia's borders. We're doing military maneuvers on their borders. And we were threatening to take Ukraine and Georgia into NATO. I mean, the Crimea is uh, Russia's only seaport, you know, warm-water seaport. That's like it's always been part of them, you know. Right. Ukraine was part of Russia. Ukraine was part of Russia, and Khrushchev said, "Okay, you can be a separate uh, republic." You know, they became a Soviet republic instead of a just a part of the the main Moscow, Russia inland. Right. And so, and that's been like hundreds of years. So even this whole Ukraine thing—that's a whole other story. But there's a lot of fake news about that, and it is totally not covered when we're talking about the Space Force. You don't read one story about how Russia and China are trying 
have tried for years. I mean, now there's a new story, Russia, Putin says Russia's leading the world in hypersonic weapons. They tested this new weapon. But he gave a speech in um, March of 2018 saying that he wants to make a short journey, this is Putin, uh, into the recent past now that the U.S. is deploying. That's another thing. We had the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty which we signed in 1972 with the Soviet Union. And Clinton started putting in emplacements into Romania. Putin said to Clinton, look, let's negotiate. Let's get a 1,000 weapons, nuclear bombs each in our countries, and then call everybody to the table. There are seven other nuclear states besides the U.S. and Russia. There's England, France, uh, China, they're part of the uh, the five Security Council people that signed the original non-proliferation treaty, where those five countries promised to give up their nuclear weapons if all the rest of the countries in the world promised not to get them. And everybody signed except India, Pakistan, and Israel, so they got them. And then North Korea took advantage of this stupid Faustian bargain in the non-proliferation treaty where we promised everybody... If you promise not to give uh, get nuclear bombs, we'll give you peaceful nuclear power. So literally, we handed them the keys to the bomb factory because peaceful nuclear power gives you the technology to make the material, which is the hardest part. And North Korea did that. They got their peaceful power, walked out, and made a bomb. And we are literally now thinking of selling nuclear power to Saudi Arabia, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, countries that never had nuclear power. I mean, we're giving them the keys to the bomb factory. That's, that's yeah. a whole other story about the nuclear insanity. But Alice. what I'm trying to say here now about us and Russia is that this space force is the culmination of years of ignoring their their quest, their, their pleas to us for nuclear disarmament negotiations, for not expanding NATO, for not having weapons in space. And the U.S. has been the provocateur time after time. Alice, can I ask about the idea of a war in space? Because I think a lot of people are confused as to what in the world it could mean. Uh, I, I mean, we can talk about the extent to which satellites have been used for many years now as a critical part of targeting where bombs are going to blow people up. Uh, but when you talk about something new in terms of a space force, are we talking about weapons in space targeting things in space? Are we talking about weapons on Earth targeting things in space? Are we talking about weapons in space targeting things on Earth? What are the non-mass destruction weapons that are the weapons we're, we're worried about here? All, above, all of the above. But now, talking about a space force, I mean, we have been, you know, using our space capacity to help us in war. You know, and by we, uh, you, all of this use of we, you mean the U.S. military, I right? mean the United States, the Empire, and NATO, you know, and its NATO allies. I, I, don't, I don't believe Russia or China were there, but they're working on it. I mean, China just went to the dark side of the moon. You know, they're competing with us. So while they're competing, they tried to tell us not to do it. You know, they, they were willing to negotiate a treaty, and we never were. And uh, 
I mean, I don't know what they're thinking of. It's it's insane. I mean, we we have we don't even have trains that work on the planet, and they're going to spend all this money. Well, who are we going to fight in space? Are we going to find Martians? I mean, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know. It's like it's this muscle-bound military-industrial complex that uh, Reagan warned about. They just passed in the United States the, the National Defense Authorization Act. And there were only 40 Democrats that voted against it, you know, in the Congress. I mean, everybody in the in the Senate, there were only a handful that voted against it. Yeah, so, not much, not much gridlock or partisan divide on creating a space right. force or any of the other catastrophes in that piece of legislation, was there? No, I mean we're in the grip of it, and if you think they really wanted to stop. Uh, Trump, and it was such a wonderful achievement that the Democrats got a majority in the House, you know, in this midterm election. What did they do with it? They're doing this dopey impeachment based on Ukraine instead of that he was putting kids in cages in Mexico, you know, and, uh, and making money off his hotels. I mean, it's literally in the Constitution that you can't be a monument source. You can't profit from your own private. I mean, that's an open and shut case. We have the goods on them, you know, and they're doing this. I don't know what they're doing. It's, they're being run by the military. In that sense, I hate to say this, but they say even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Well, Trump is like a broken clock. I mean, he came in with his ego and his narcissism. He's going to make a deal with Russia. He's going to make a deal with North Korea. Well, they didn't let him, you know, and they're they're working night and day to stop it and it's it's that military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about. And in his speech it's very interesting in the next paragraph he said people in academia are also, you know, playing a bad influence in promoting militarism and that is, it's like a military academic congressional you know, media complex now. That's and, in the, and in the previous paragraphs, he blamed it all on the evil Soviet Union, uh, well, which is a, 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 a topic <laughs> that you are quite good at, Alice. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the Russia fear-mongering and Cold Warism and potentially Hot Warism that, that's, you know, sweeping this country at the moment <laughs> is nothing new. And, and the, the, the blame uh, in terms terms of, of the, the the Cold War and the and the fear mongering for many decades, uh, as you've written about, lies in great part in, in Washington DC, doesn't it? In a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean I couldn't grok I couldn't imagine that Woodrow Wilson sent troops in nineteen eighteen after the World War One to, to, in, to interfere in the Soviet Revolution, you know, to support the white Russians. In other words, our capitalist system, even then, this was before Stalin, you know, it was like they had just overthrown the Tsar. And here we are in Russia fighting, you know, for capitalism in Russia before they even completed their revolution. That's how far back it went. And then, you know, with, the, with these, as I was said in, in passing, there were all these offers from Putin to Clinton, and from, oh, Putin also asked Obama when we uh, to to negotiate a treaty to stop 
cyber war because he was very concerned about it. And the U.S. and Israel had attacked Iran's enrichment facilities with the Stuxnet virus. You know, we did a computer hack on their uh, enrichment facilities in Iran. Well, I mean, wonderful. You stop that. But, I mean, what's that to stop anyone else from doing it to us in a million ways? We're so vulnerable. And Obama actually proposed that, uh, Putin actually proposed that to Obama, and Obama turned him down. Didn't want to talk about negotiating a cyber war treaty, ban cyber war. Proposed it to Obama's successor and been turned down as well, if if I'm not mistaken, uh, despite the uh, widely propagated mythology in which uh, Obama's successor is a, is a slave of Vladimir Putin. Right, That that's like... Crazy. But when I was saying even a broken clock is right twice a day, I mean, when, when Trump talks about the deep state, I mean, he's, he's talking about something. And I thought it was very interesting that Trump wanted to declassify the 50-year-old JFK assassination report, and they wouldn't let him. And he also could not declassify the final chapter of the 9-11 report which is the role of Saudi Arabia in 911. I mean, there's so much peace soup around that, that so much untruth, and who knows what really happened. And, you know, yeah. I mean, he's, he came in, you know, he's going to be a big guy, big shot, and, and change it in that way. Not that, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't let him, yeah. you know. I, I always uh, respectfully protest the wouldn't let him uh, phrase uh, because I'm not convinced there was a literal gun to his head uh i, I mean if you want to if you want to take on the job of u.s president take some risks uh you know this is right. they wouldn't let obama prosecute well, no, but torture or he, murder or warrantless spying well it was his responsibility to do so they wouldn't let trump release the the kennedy assassination documents well it was his responsibility to do so Oh, I, I agree, but I mean, he made the he made the gesture, right? And we thought it was stopped. I mean, exactly. So he didn't have the guts to follow through. Exactly. On, you know, but exactly. I mean, he did. He figured he's going to do that. He's president. He can do that, and we found out he couldn't. And the whole way that this impeachment is being constructed, this doesn't make any sense to me unless you figure out that they're, you know, the. the the deep state is after him, like he says. You know, they've, they've manipulated into such a stupid grounds for impeachment, you know. Well, it, I, I think it's uh, largely driven by Russia Gate and, and Russian right. warmongering and uh, a, a misguided, incompetent notion of how you make Trump look bad and Joe Biden look good, uh, which I think is going to make <laughs> I mean, Joe Biden like is going to do more damage to Joe Biden, thank of goodness. <laughs> than to, than... I mean, that's what I'm saying. So the broken clock theory sometimes it gets you some... But I'll tell you, I have my personal story about Russia. I mean, we were terrified about communists growing up in the 50s during the McCarthy era. I remember being at Queens College in a cafeteria talking to a friend and having some kind of political discussion. She said, here, you should read this. And she gives me this pamphlet, and it says, Communist Party of America, and my heart is pounding. I was, like, terrified. I put in my book bag, I went home in the Bronx, I go to the eighth floor, I walk directly to the incinerator and throw it down without looking. That's how scared we were of communists. I mean, it's hard to believe. 
and that's what we're doing now. They're, they're trying to do it again. And I really got over it when I visited the Soviet Union as an anti-nuclear activist. They had stopped nuclear testing first in Kazakhstan. This Kazakh poet marched the people of Kazakhstan where the Soviet Union tested at their semi-politan test sites was so besought, besieged by cancer and birth defects that they rose up and Gorbachev had come in, and he said, okay, I'm stopping it. And I was with this Lawyers Alliance for Nuclear Arms Control, and we went to Congress, and we said, listen, the Soviets stopped. We should stop, because we were doing these tests at the holy western Shoshone land in Nevada, the Nevada test site. Yeah. Kennedy actually tried to stop all nuclear testing, and they wouldn't let him. They only let him stop atmospheric testing, because there was already... Uh, reports of strontium-90 in children's milk and teeth. So they stopped atmospheric testing, but the test went underground. We did a thousand of them in Nevada. They leaked, and people got cancer, and it was terrible. So anyway, Congress said to us, you can't trust the Russians. Right. We're not going to stop. So then the head of our Lawyers Alliance, who was president of the New York City Bar Association, Bill DeWin, who was one of these very distinguished lawyers, Paul Weiss, and he was like from the Dutch De Wins that owned half the Hudson, you know. He raised $6 million from his friends and put together a team of seismologists. And we went to Russia, and we met with the Soviet lawyers and government, and they said, yes, we'll let you put our team in. And then we went back to Congress and said, you don't have to trust the Russians. And so we were able to stop underground testing. They had a kicker in. They were going to do another 15 just in case, and we stopped that. But my experience in Russia the first time with every guy over 60 walking around with his World War II medals on his chest and every street corner had a monument to the dead and the Leningrad Cemetery with 400,000 mass graves from the Nazi siege of Leningrad. I mean, I was sort of stunned by all of this, and my guide said to us, because we had guides taking us around, why don't you Americans trust us? And I said, in all my arrogance, why don't we trust you? What about Hungary? What about Czechoslovakia? Why should we trust you? And he looked at me like with tears in his eyes, and he said, but we had to protect our border from Germany. Right. And I looked at him, and that was their mindset. It wasn't right what they did in Hungary and Czechoslovakia, but we were being told they were coming after us. They were never coming after us. They were just protecting themselves from the 27 million they lost and the trauma of the war that nobody was going to get near them. You know, they were going to occupy that territory. That's what I think. And isn't it interesting, Alice, in recent uh, months, uh, yet another of millions of iterations of this sort of of drama where the United States tells the world that Russia is violating the INF Treaty and Trump illegally, in violation of the treaty, takes the United States out of the treaty uh, and Congress does not a darn thing, uh, but instead 
passes laws forbidding Trump from exiting the the treaty that created NATO, which of course is the last thing he's ever going to do, uh, and and forbidding Trump from ever pulling a single sainted troop out of South Korea, which is the last thing he's ever going to do, and so forth. But but the INF treaty illegally pulling out of it is not only not an impeachable offense; it's nothing at all. It's just uh, it, it's just to be allowed. Because that's who's running the country. It's so corrupt. They're all paid by the military-industrial complex. You know, I I have this quote from Putin last March when he gave his State of the Nation speech. And he said, uh, I'll speak about the newest systems of Russian strategic weapons that we are creating in response to the unilateral withdrawal of the U.S. from the anti-ballistic missile treaty and the practical deployment of their missile defense systems, both in the U.S. and beyond their national borders. Because, you know, we put them in Romania. We started doing it with Clinton. Bush walked out of the ABM treaty. And now they're going into Poland, our missiles. He said, Putin says, I would like to make a short journey into the recent past. Back in 2000, the U.S. announced its withdrawal from the ABM treaty. Russia was categorically against this. We saw the Soviet-U.S.-ABM treaty signed in 1972 as the cornerstone of the international security system. Under this treaty, the parties have the right to deploy ballistic missile systems only in one of its regions. Russia deployed around Moscow and the U.S. Grand Forks land-based ICBM base. Together with the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, which is now also coming up for uh, expiration, The ABM treaty not only created an atmosphere of trust, but also prevented either party from recklessly using nuclear weapons, which would have endangered humankind because the limited number of ballistic missile systems made the potential aggressor vulnerable to response strike. We did our best to dissuade the Americans from withdrawing from the treaty, all in vain. The U.S. pulled out of the treaty in 2002. Even after that, we tried to develop constructive dialogue with the Americans. We proposed working together in this area to ease concern and maintain the atmosphere of trust. At one point, I thought that a compromise was possible, but this was not to be. All our proposals, absolutely all of them, were rejected. And then we said that we would have to improve our modern strike system to protect our security. And they did. And that's everything's being reported about what they're doing and nothing about what we did. It's, it's a We've, we've it, it is a, a disaster in the making unless we turn things around. We've got just about a minute left, Alice Slater. Where can people go to get involved, learn more, uh, find out how to reverse these trends? Well, World Beyond War, which I'm working at with you, worldbeyondwar.org is wonderful. You should sign up and you can get to a lot of different groups. Uh, Space for Peace, uh, that's run by Bruce Gagnon. They have all the information, but you can connect through World Beyond War. And I can. The new treaty needs 50 ratifications. We now have 40 to enter into force, and there are campaigns all over in, in the U.S., there's a U.S. ban treaty campaign that you can join. So go to World Beyond War, and then you'll find all the connections to the good groups that are working on these issues. 
Uh, terrific advice. If I say so myself, Alice Slater uh, is with World Beyond War and the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation and the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space and the Global Council of Abolition 2000 and Nuclear Ban US and uh, many other groups. Uh, Alice Slater, thank you once again for coming on Talk Nation Radio and for everything you're doing. Thanks a lot, David. Great to be here. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.